I th- I think they did quit, but I don't think it was they quit in the sense that he was implying. You know, I think they they figured out at some point we just can't come back. We're we're just not going to, you know, we're not going to to make a comeback here. Rough, rough day in Buffalo for the Steelers. Were they right to wave the white flag, or did they quit? As ex-Steeler Ryan Clark said, we'll get into that a little bit later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Steelers Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Just a quick note, if you're finding us for the first time online, maybe via the Steelers Wire and and some of the great work they're doing on that site, I know we have this, this show embedded in a lot of articles. You can subscribe and listen along each week wherever you get your podcast. Just search for the Steelers Wire. We should pop right up in one click. We'll allow our podcast to pop up right on your phone. Kurt, perfect opportunity, right, for Steelers fans. Hop on the couch right along with us for the therapy session as this season continues to skid off the rails, right? We all got to heal together. You know? <laughs> exactly. We, we, we all need each other. Yes, therapy is much needed right now. That right there, of course, is the voice of Kurt Popejoy, the managing editor of USA Today Steelers Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary playing host. Let's get right into it, Kurt. I think just to lead off, I know 38-3, to rough game in Buffalo, got whooped, right? There's not not a lot of positives to pull out of it, except let's start with one positive uh, and try to see the forest through the trees a little bit, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett's the dude, right? He is. You could see it. You could see it. I know it wasn't a good good day for the Steelers at all, Uh, and I'm not sure that I'd make a living starting a little fracas with a guy the size of Shaq Lawson. And anyway, Kurt, if no. you know anything about Shaq Lawson, he's not one who will shrug that off. You know, he's one of those, I don't give a damn, let's fight. <laughs> so, uh, Kenny, right. Kenny, you might not want to keep doing that, but I love the nerve of the kid. You wrote about it on Steelers Wire, Kurt. He has the it factor. I see it. He yeah. didn't flinch. He didn't quit. He played all the way to the end. He didn't come out, even though it was 31-3 to at halftime. He could have came out of the game, right? Embarrassing, oh, yeah. embarrassing all around for the Steelers, but I thought the kid played his ass off. And the entertainment value of Kenny Pick from Trubisky to Kenny Pickett and even the end of the Roethlisberger years, right? To Kenny Pickett, I think is there. I think even if this season does skid off the rails here, as we as we kind of mentioned off the top, Pickett is reason to tune in. I think he he's got the fact he I want to watch him. Yeah. I mean he's he's the guy that that is he may not lead him to the to back to the playoffs in prominence this year, but you had to watch him play Sunday and think this is the guy who can do it. You know, the, the Steelers have, fans have gotten spoiled with Ben Roethlisberger for so long and a little complacent. You know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty easy. I mean, you're seeing it now, even with the coaching staff, you know, pretty complacent when you got a Hall of Fame quarterback in there. But, man, watching him play, I, I was I was a little worried about putting him out there uh, against the bill. Um, and he didn't put up points. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people are going to say, yeah, but he didn't score. But I think in the in the second half, um, seven drives, and I think five of those drives ended on drops by receivers or running backs um, on on those possession downs, the ones that, that killed the drive. I mean, he, he did what he had to do. You know, he did his part. I mean, you could you could nitpick some of the game, some of his game a little bit. He, you know, he took a couple of sacks that he probably shouldn't have taken. Um, but he's he's a rookie. I mean, he he never looked shook. He never looked rattled. He he never hung his head when his when his receivers were dropping passes, um, penalties. It didn't make any difference. He he just went back to the huddle and he called a play 
and he ran that play. And I mean, it, you just can't you can't help but be excited about the the young guys on this team. I mean, there's several rookies um, right now that man, it's it's exciting to watch them play. If they can just get everybody else to play with their kind of energy, um, you know, they may not make the playoffs, but it would sure make this season much more respectable from a viewing standpoint. You know, that, that game was tough. I mean, 21, 21 straight points in the second quarter by the Bills, and everybody knew it was over. But I think most people knew it was over when when Gabe Davis caught that 98-yard touchdown after, after the Steelers' defense stuffed him on the first two plays. And then on the third play, they go 98 yards and one. And you're like, okay, that's how this, this game's going to go. But never face Pickett. I mean, he, it didn't matter what score. What, you've never known the score to watch him play. You know, and that's that's not something you can say about a lot of young quarterbacks. You know, that's that's a that was a very mature um, mature way to to handle that game. He never let up. Didn't matter who was in there, who got hurt. You know, injuries were piling up. Didn't make any difference. He he just played with fire and and played with energy the whole game. And I I think it was great. It was fun to watch. Why, Kurt, did it take so long for us to see this kid? Uh, we had to wait till what week five for his first start. And it makes you wonder because it feels like this kid had it all along. Um, and, and, you know, I think the coaching is something you can definitely question. You certainly have in your commentary on Steelers Wire. Let's get into it here. Uh, you know, to think you lost 38-3 to when you came up with two turnovers either at the goal line or in the end zone. And, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? And the Bills are really good. They're probably the best team in football. But they had their own laundry list of injuries in this game. I know the Steelers were banged up, but... The Bills didn't have Dawson Knox, their starting tight end. They didn't have one of their starting wide receivers, Isaiah McKenzie. They had a couple of former six-round draft picks playing safety because they have injuries in the in the secondary, Kurt. Obviously, no Trey White, their top corner. He's out. So, I mean, the Bills are kind of patching it together as well. You would think that the Steelers, you know, the Steelers, they're a really good operation. You'd think Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, they'd be able to come up with something to exploit any of this stuff. Never mind the yeah. fact that the Bills made mistakes, right? You just mentioned the first quarter muffing the opening kickoff and getting backed up at their own two-yard line, third and ten, before that freaking play. But they had that. They had a field goal get blocked, right? They had uh, the, the Allen interception in the end zone. This all happened early in the ball game, and it was 31-3 to at halftime? How? Yeah. Like, how does that happen, Kurt? I, yeah, I mean, things that, that second quarter, it just, everything that could go wrong did. I mean, there was... You know, the fact that, that Mika Fitzpatrick had that interception and the receiver just took it right out of his hands for that for that touchdown. I mean, there were just plays. You know, Mike Tomlin said it after the game. He said they just made every play. I mean, every everything that could go right for them starting in the second quarter did. I mean, they just, you know, it just seemed like one thing after another. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that that the Steelers defense just allowed Josh Allen to operate. I mean, they, they, they put him under no pressure and I don't care. I, I don't care how beat up the bills defense is. If the, if Josh Allen has that kind of opportunity to stand back there and just move around and, and make throws, he, you know, he, he, he could have thrown for 500 yards pretty easy. I mean, he threw for more than 400 yards and he came out with 10 minutes left in the game. Mm. So, I mean, it was just, it was a case where the, the offense, even, even if the offense had done a, a more effective job in taking advantage of Buffalo's injuries on defense, the, the Pittsburgh defense just, just had no answer for Josh Allen. They had, they had nothing 
you know, Alex Highsmith, Malik Reed, none of those guys even got close to him um, on Sunday. And that to me, you know, Cam Hayward, there was just no, no pass rush whatsoever. And it's, it's the same thing we saw against Cleveland. It's the same thing we saw against the Jets. Gets down toward the end of the game. The offense, you know, runs the defense back out on the field a few times. And then pretty soon the other team's running game takes off. And that's what we saw there at the end. I mean, at that point it was over anyway, but it's, it's become kind of a, kind of a trend now that they, they sort of wear down a, a thin Steelers defense and then just start running the football. But that, that, you know, when, when you have a, a defense that, that's the most expensive defense in the NFL in comparison to the offense, um, you just expect more than what they're giving them. And that was, you know, they, they let Josh Allen break records on Sunday. And that's, that's just not something Steelers fans are used to seeing. That's a great way to put it. And, and that kind of leads us into the comments by ex-Steeler Ryan Clark, who, who I think is pretty good. Uh, on ESPN, Kurt, I love to to tune in to that Get Up show on Monday mornings to see what those what those guys are going to talk about. Ryan Clark never holds back, especially when it comes to his Steelers, right? Yeah, and he basically yeah. said the Steelers quit. Do you agree with him? I th- I think they did quit, but I don't think it was they quit in the sense that he was implying. You know, I think they they figured out at some point we just can't come back. We're we're just not going to, you know, we're not going to to make a comeback here. You know, Kenny Pickett's doing a fine job, but our receivers can't hold on to the football. The defense is looking at this. We're gassed. Um, we're we're out of defensive backs, basically. I mean, they had three cornerbacks at the end of the game, and one of them was on the practice squad up until the day before. And I think they just uh, they just kind of threw in the towel and said, you know what, we're we're going to live to fight another day. I mean, there's going to be another game, but there we can only do so much at this point. They were just out of bodies on defense. And do, do I think that, you know, I, you, you hate to hear about the comments like Arthur Millette said that there were there were guys laughing and joking and stuff on the sidelines during the blowout. And he kind of he kind of ripped into him a little bit about that. And you hate that. But I think Mike Tomlin addressed that appropriately today. You know, he or on, on Tuesday, he said, uh, he said, everybody handles a loss like this differently. You know, he said, when you just get smashed like we did, everybody is going to gonna respond to that in the moment a little bit differently. Some guys are going to get mad. Some guys are going to try to act like it's no big deal. It's not a reflection on those guys at all. And so while I, I often agree with Ryan Clark when he's pretty critical of the team, I'm just not sure what any team would have done um, under those circumstances, being down that much at halftime coming out and still not being able to get anything going. Uh, I, you know, I'm not saying it was okay that they, they quit or that they didn't play hard, but I think that, you know, the guys up front looked back behind them, didn't recognize the guys in the secondary because everybody was hurt. And you just, you know, you, you, you save yourself, you know, you got, you know, like I said, live to fight another day, you know, you got more games on the schedule. So that was, it's it's almost easier to take a loss like this than it was to take the the Jets loss. You know, it's almost easier to be down thirty at halftime and know that the game's out of hand than to be up ten and then end up losing. You know, or up seven and end up losing. So, I think that's probably the same attitude a lot of the players took. 
like I said, the Bills weren't perfect in that first half, and they still led 31 to three. It was not the Steelers' yeah. day at all. It was a tough spot anyway, and it played out that way for sure. So everything, special teams. Oh. I mean, nothing was right. I mean, when Chris Boswell misses two or three field goal tries, you know, I mean, you know, it's going to be a bad day. And when you had your 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 brand new return guy hurts his leg in pregame, and so you got to trot a guy out there for the first return, and he muffs the, you know, I mean, it was just nothing was working. And hell, special teams was probably the best of the three units, and they were still terrible. So. <laughs> Where did the Steelers go from here? We have some thoughts on some other things that Tomlin said, um, and, and maybe more on Kenny Pickett and Shaq Lawson. Uh, getting into it in that ball game, Kurt and I will get into all that here coming up next. First, let's set our fantasy lineups. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with the Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. We have officially reached let Geno cook territory after the journeyman tossed three touchdowns in a week five loss to the New Orleans Saints. Over the past three games, Smith has averaged 304 yards passing and he has thrown seven touchdowns against just one interception. While the Cardinals have played better since a woeful week one, they will present a stiffer challenge than the likes of the Lions or the Saints. Nevertheless, ride the hot hand. Smith has a pretty good matchup overall and is a decent bet for 250 plus yards and at least two touchdowns. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson at the Chicago Bears. On one hand, it was a fantastic sight to witness Robinson return from his offseason gunshot wounds to lead the backfield in carries and yardage. On the other hand, those numbers were nine attempts for 22 yards, and he had no role in the receiving game. Chicago has allowed the fifth most rushing yards on the second most carries, and the position has scored four times through five weeks. Since it's unlikely Chicago's offense can put up enough points to force a pass-heavy script, Robinson is shaping up to be a quality play on the ground. Wide receiver Darnell Mooney versus the Washington Commanders. Mooney is a low-volume fantasy option, and he's better utilized in non-PPR settings. This matchup a lines perfectly with that profile too as the commanders have done a decent job of limiting catches but have allowed big plays along the way. This is the number one matchup in fantasy points per touch, number two for yards per reception, number five for yardage generated, and number three for the ease of scoring among wideouts. If Mooney cannot make some noise in this one, he's barely worthy of a roster spot going forward. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku versus the New England Patriots. After a slow start to 2022, Njoku has emerged as one of the stronger fantasy plays in the last three weeks, particularly in PPR scoring. He has no fewer than five catches for 73 yards in any of those last three games, and this week he faces one of the more favorable opponents for his position. New England has allowed a touchdown per game on average to tight ends, but that's really about where the success has ended for all but Mark Andrews after he posted two scores in 89 yards. The next closest performance is four catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. But the Patriots will focus extensive attention to both the backfield and Amari Cooper, freeing up Njoku across the middle to move the chain. Don't expect a huge game, but something around 50 yards and a touchdown is certainly well within reach. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's our questions of the week. These are three questions for Kurt. And uh, here's question number one, Kurt. Uh, Mike Tomlin kind of clarified his comments from uh, the post game, basically saying in terms of making sweeping changes to, uh, you know, guys playing time or the coaching staff, 
he said, uh, you know, we won't shoot a hostage, right? That's basically what he said. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically he's saying we're not going to make any sweeping changes because there might not be a better option, right? <laughs> right, Kurt? Isn't that what it means basically? Exactly. Saying? Yeah. After so, the game, you know, he was very quick to say any, all options are on the table, but today he walked that back a little bit. Yeah. So, so for question number one, if you could force Tomlin to make one change to the roster this week, what would it be and why? Well, I think if you had to, if you, you have to, you know, if you're thinking existing roster, I think that the, the probably the number one change I would make is I would make Jalen Warren the starting running back. I would, I would put him out there and give him a full workload and see what happens. I mean, he's been the better running back this season. Um, I think he fits with the offense a little better. I think his, his, his quickness and his explosion um, works better with what the offensive line's doing. And that would probably be my one change. I think, you know, unfortunately there just aren't enough bodies on the team to make a lot of drastic changes. Um, you know, I, I would love to, to be able to sit here and go, I would play this guy at, outside linebacker instead of Malik Reed because Malik Reed basically has been a non-factor since the Steelers added him, but there isn't a guy to put there. Um, I would love to um, say that, you know, make Trey Norwood the full-time starter at strong safety. You know, he played every snap um, last week and I think he played pretty well. You know, he, that would probably be my, my next option is I would probably leave Terrell Edmonds on the bench and, and make Trey Norwood my starting strong safety. Um, you know, it's it, there just aren't a whole lot of players. I would love to sit here and say that, um, you know, George Pickens becomes a full-time starter. You know, even though he's he's been the best receiver on the team um, the last two games, you know, his connection with, with Kenny Pickett has been pretty obvious. Um, you know, he, he plays that inside receiver position. He doesn't, doesn't line up outside. I think last week he only played about 75% of snaps. I'd love to see him on the field more. You know, I, I would love to see him on the field. I think that, that Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool both played more than 90% of snaps last week. And so I'd like to see Pickens get a, a heavier workload. But my one big change is, and, and I know a lot of fans don't like to hear it is, is, is I would make Warren the, the feature back and, and see what happens. Now, this is not the first time you've had commentary on Najee Harris, uh, maybe scaling no. back her, right? You, we talked about it last week and you, and you kind of nailed it. And people want to go back and listen to the segment last week where, where Kurt talked about Najee Harris as well. You know, he had a rough game. He had a rough game. There's no way to sugarcoat it, right? What, what is the fans' reaction to you, Kurt, when you tweet stuff like this, when, when you do interact with them on maybe on social media or, you know, within your articles and stuff, when you're talking to fans, like, how do they feel about, Najee Harris, are they, do they push back with you or do they agree with you? Like what, what's the take there? It's, it's a pretty fair split at this point. I think more people have come around. Um, when the, the first, when the, the first tweet came out about Bart Scott um, last week saying that Najee Harris wasn't a special back. And I said, no, oh, you're, he's not wrong. Um, I had far and away more people react to that positively than negatively. I think it's very easy, though, for, for a, a, a percentage of fans to still want to blame the offensive line for Najee Harris's struggles. And, and myself and, and my boss last week had a conversation about this during the game that we need to just put that narrative to sleep. 
the offensive line isn't great, but to be an elite running back, you're not an elite running back if you can only be successful when the offensive line's playing great. That's just, that's not how it works. You know, we see guys rack up numbers every week behind very average offensive lines. And so I just, I don't, I think that narrative needs to just be done. The offensive line's blocking better. You know, Jalen Warren's proof of that. I mean, he had, he had 24 yards rushing on five carries last week. And Najee Harris had 20 care, 20 yards on 11 carries with the same offensive line in front of him. And so this, this idea, you know, the, the few that are still clinging to this idea that it's the offensive line's fault, um, are always going to feel that way. That I don't think there's, there's some that you're never going to convince otherwise, but I think there is something wrong with Najee Harris and maybe it is legitimate. Maybe his foot is still bothering him. Mike Tomlin today said that he feels like he's still getting caught up from missing time um, due to the foot injury. I don't know how much time he gives him, but in the meantime, there's a guy out there who can play. So why not let Jalen Warren play and let let Harris get up to speed that way? You know, I, I think there's a better way to handle it than what they've done. I hear you. You mentioned earlier, Kurt, um, about Deontay Johnson and maybe George Pickens. I was actually going to go there with question number two. So let's go back to that. <laughs> Uh, Deontay is dropping footballs in key spots again. We, we've seen this with yep. him. I was hoping that maybe that had gone away, but uh, you know that's still popping up. He's still getting targeted targeted a ton, but not the production you would expect from your, your number one outside wide receiver, right? He hasn't scored yet this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens have a thing, right? They, de- they, def- they definitely yep. have a connection. Uh, Pickett to Pickens, you know, bookmark that thing. It's coming. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think George Pickens is it is like is the C parting for him to become the Steelers' number one wide receiver anyway, or are you worried about Deontay Johnson? Like I'm talking like maybe we just came out of our fantasy segment. Like, are you still starting Deontay Johnson in PPR leagues? Are you are you losing some faith in him um, in terms of his production and his volume? Uh, and, and and maybe within that commentary, talk about Pickens too, maybe becoming the um, future number one wide receiver anyway. Well, that's, that's just it. I think that, I think that Pickens is going to be Kenny Pickett's number one target, regardless of who else is on the field. I think he understands. I think he has built a trust with him pretty quickly and we've seen it. I mean, he's never, even when he's not open, he's open. I mean, that's the, that's the mark of a of a great receiver is that if you throw it to him, he will find a way to catch it. That's what Chase Claypool was supposed to be when they drafted him. You know, he was supposed to be the guy who you could throw open on every play because he was so big and his catch radius was so good. But George Pickens has been that guy. And we all know that these receivers, you know, top receivers feed off production. The more you throw to them and the more catches they get, the better they get. A lot of these guys don't like being targeted three, four times a game. Um, They need to get, you know, kind of get in the rhythm and, and, and get that part of their game going. Um, with Deontay Johnson, you know, he dropped three passes last week and he was targeted 13 times. Um, he only caught five balls for 60 yards, which isn't terrible by any means. Um, but didn't lead the team in, in receptions or yards. And like I said, I think he played 95% plus of the snaps and, and only had five receptions on 13 targets. And he took it throws a good ball. I mean, I can only think of two times where he didn't give Johnson a catchable ball. 
I know that drops are one of those funny stats that everybody sort of counts them a little bit differently, but he didn't throw many balls off the mark that weren't catchable. Um, you know, he had one that he probably should have brought down in bounds and he didn't. Um, he had two go through his hands. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And, and if it wasn't for the fact that he's, he's already kind of known for this, I don't think it would be that big a deal. But, you know, you go back and he had, you know, 2020 is not that long ago when he had 13 drops in the season. And that's, that's always on people's minds. And, and I, I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to stop throwing to him. I wrote about this last week that said, you know, divisional labor is going to be tough for Kenny Pickett. Figure out who to target and keep all these receivers happy and get them the football is going to be tough for him. But I think if he wants to be successful, he just has to look for the guy he can count on, and that's Pickens right now. Well, as a Patriots fan, Kurt, when the Patriots moved up in the second round to get Tyquan Thornton, and then the Steelers picked George Pickens right after that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, Patriots, you screwed it up again. Oh, because I just knew the Steelers were going to nail that pick. And I think they did. They did. They always do. George Pickens is um, looking like a baller. So that's good news. Uh, We mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, Shaq Lawson had a low hit on Kenny Pickett. I don't know how many people saw this live, Kurt. It was right at the end of the game. I think it was the last Steelers snap. It was on a fourth down play. Uh, Kenny Pickett's rolling out. It's like fourth and 14. He's just going to throw the ball to someone who cares it's 38 to three let's go home yeah uh and Shaq Lawson who I think was playing at that time for a reason Kurt you know he's a veteran guy but he was still he's on the field for a reason he's probably out there trying to make use of every rep he can get if you know what I'm catch you know catch my drift there I do so I he, do so he's looking to tackle the quarterback he, he lunges at his feet uh hits Pickett around the ankle Pickett goes down kind of awkwardly and Pickett gets up and gives him a shove. A little fracas happens at the end of uh, of the game, and actually a Bills a Bills player, AJ Epinesa, got ejected for hitting a ref. And there's some other mm-hmm. flags or whatever, so there'll probably be some fines being levied this week. But what do you think of that play? The Steelers were were not shy. You know, even Mike Tomlin coming out and saying, you know, it was warranted the reaction. The Steelers kind of saying, hey, that was a dirty play. Kenny Pickett said he thought he went for his knee. Uh, so do you think that low hit on Kenny Pickett at the end of that ball game that was, again, 38-3, to Kurt, a, a dirty mm-hmm. play by Lawson or an overreaction from the Steelers uh, from a team, you know, that just got whooped? I definitely don't think it was a dirty play. I, I definitely don't think, ha- having watched enough football and, you know, anybody who who wants to to say that play was a dirty play, we see that happen every week where guys lunge, and the, the quarterback steps out a little bit, and they get him a little lower than they expected. I don't for one minute think that Shaq Lawson was trying to hurt Kenny Pickett. The, the problem with everybody's argument in this is the fact that because of where Kenny Pickett was on the field, it wasn't even an illegal hit. You know, he was outside the pocket, so he doesn't get that protection at that point of, of the low hit. Had Kenny Pickett been in the pocket, absolutely they should have thrown a flag on it. I mean, that's a, that's a penalty. But I don't, I don't think it was a dirty play. I still love the way Kenny Pickett responded to it. Um, I honestly had a much bigger issue with the hit that DeMar Hamlin had on Pickett when he slid. Yeah. His you know, buddy. Even though, yeah, even though they're teammates and friends, um, he was coming in low either way. If, if, if Kenny Pickett doesn't slide, that was still a hit he was going for a guy sliding. I know that they're friends and, and – 
you know, all that sort of thing. But to me, there was much more intent on that play than there was on Shaq Lawson. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, that's why I was, I have a newfound respect for James Daniels for coming in there and, and protecting his quarterback. Mm. Um, and then later on when Lawson hits him, you know, Daniels comes in and plays peacemaker because Lawson's got a handful of Pickett's face mask. And <laughs> I think Steelers fans everywhere were having flashbacks of Miles Garrett beating Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet. You know, the, he had a fistful of face masks. I so I was laugh. very glad that that didn't escalate. Um, I'm very glad that didn't get to that point, but you know, it really, the, the second play was frustration for, for Pickett at that point, but I am, I am much happier with him doing that than, than no response at all, you know, just to make sure Lawson knows, Hey, I don't appreciate what you did. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like it should, there should have been a flag thrown on it because it, you know, letter of the law, it wasn't. Um, but again, that's just another one of those examples of why Steelers fans need to be excited about Kenny Pickett. I mean, he takes these hits, he comes up, he's fiery, he's ready to go. Um, I think that with, with the hit from Hamlin, I don't think he was going to respond to that because he knew it was his buddy DeMar and, and probably, you know, his in his mind, even though the hit looked worse to me, I think in Pickett's mind, there's no way this guy was going to hit me dirty because we're friends. Mm. Where James Daniels, he didn't know they were friends. And after the game, he said, I didn't know that. He said, I, would, I wouldn't think your friends would hit you like that. He said, I hope my friends wouldn't hit me like that. You know, so, so you know, it was just one of those uh, couple of really weird sequences that, that really kind of illustrate, you know, guy, guys on the Steelers are starting to kind of stand out when uh, in a – in a season where as a team, they're just playing so terrible as a, as a group, you really got to look at plays like that and be excited about it. You know, they brought in James Daniels. He's playing better every week. I, I know we're talking about picket, but you gotta, you gotta give him some props. I mean, he's, he's playing great football and then to come in, clear out a guy for his quarterback and then come back and say, Hey, that's my franchise quarterback. You know, I got to do that. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it Pickett's Pickett's energy is going to spread. I, I have a feeling that more of his guys are going to going to latch on to that as the season goes on. So, hey, if it took that hit from Shaq Lawson, you know, nobody got hurt, but it was just another piece of highlight film that we can point to as this is Kenny Pickett's team. I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I do love him. I you know, again, you see the clip and you're like, man, this guy's fiery. Uh, and I do agree with a lot of you know, basically everything you said. Uh, you know, Lawson wasn't flagged, and he he shouldn't have been by the letter of the law. I don't think it was intended to be dirty. I think uh, Lawson grabbed the ankle, and he kind of rode him down. He didn't twist him or anything. I didn't see anything uh, dirty there. I, I do think that I will say this though on the Steelers side, it's the last snap of the game. It's a thirty-eight to three game. So. Shaq Lawson, I get that you're, you know, you're trying to make the most of your reps. You're probably fighting for playing time, you know, with Buffalo, but you know, you could just give him a little push or you didn't have to really do yeah. that. Like Shaq Lawson, right? nothing you do that, nothing Kenny Pickett does on that play, Kurt, is going to change the outcome of that ball game. The game's over. Exactly. You probably exactly. didn't have to do it. So in, in that, in that case, I do, I, I do say, all right, I see why the Steelers were a little steamed about it because it was just unnecessary, but uh, I think sure. Pickett, Pickett handled it right. You know, it was justified, exactly. as Tomlin said. He handled it just right. So, good stuff yeah, as always. Yep. How, how was your response? Appropriate, he uh, said. Appropriate. <laughs> uh, I, I got to yeah. agree with that. I got to agree with that. So, 
all right, we got another a ball game. The good news is we're home, Kurt. The bad news is it's Tom Brady and the freaking Bucks coming to town, so it doesn't yeah. get any easier this week. But we'll talk about that game and the spread coming up next. All right, Kurt, as I mentioned earlier, Steelers home against the Bucks. Tom Brady coming in uh, to Pittsburgh. We've got some memorable battles with Tom Brady, right? Uh, you know, but uh, the Steelers here, you know it's bad when you're seven and a half point dogs at home. It's <laughs> not good. Yeah. And really, I feel like this is a gettable Bucks team, right? They're not playing their best football. They tried nope. to give away a 21-point lead to the Falcons last week. They're not really playing that well at all. Tom Brady, they're not scoring a lot of points like, like we're used to. Usually Brady in that offense, they're scoring in the 30s a game. It's not even close. I think they're like, they might be under 20, around 20 points a game right now. So they're not mm-hmm. as dangerous as, they, as they've been in the past. They are getting healthy. They do have a lot of wep- weapons. But what do you think about this? That it's not a great Bucks team, but they're still favored by seven and a half coming into Pittsburgh. What do you think about that? I, I think it's less about the Bucks and more about the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. think that the I think the odds makers just don't know where the points are going to come from for Pittsburgh. I, I think that's what's done to me. And I mean, they scored five offensive touchdowns or six offensive touchdowns. A wide receiver still hasn't scored a touchdown this year. I, I think that's what does it in. I mean, the fact that Tom Brady's nine and three against Pittsburgh lifetime isn't great. Um, but I just, I, I can't imagine anybody, um, you know, any, anybody putting money down on this game has any confidence that Pittsburgh's going to be able to keep pace with, with even a pedestrian NFL offense at this point. I just, I don't know where, I don't know where they're going to score. I mean, I think that Chris Boswell will probably get back on track probably kick some field goals, but yeah, I, I don't blame them for being a seven and a half point dogs at this point. Um, so, you know, they had eight, eight guys who've been starters this year um, are going to start the week, either not practicing or limited. Um, pretty much their entire secondary is hurt. Um, they're in a quarterback in the league that can take advantage of mismatches in the secondary like Tom Brady can. And if they, they're trotting out practice squad, cornerbacks on Sunday, he's going to rip them apart. I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. You know, like we said earlier, Pittsburgh really didn't take advantage of the, of the mismatches in the, in the Bills secondary with injuries last week, but Tom Brady will. Um, he, if, if Witherspoon can't play again and Levi Wallace did concussion protocol, Cam Sutton's got an injury, both safeties are still hurt. I mean, he'll, he will pick that group apart. You know, it'll be death by a thousand cuts. He'll just he'll he'll just wreck that group without T.J. Watt in there to to create some pressure. It, it could it could be pretty bad. Yeah, that's and it. I, that's I T.J. Yeah, I, T.J. Watt. Yeah, with no without T.J. Watt in there to 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 keep him honest, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for that secondary to keep up with anybody. And I mean, the the Bucks have weapons. I mean, they've got guys. You know, and I just I I said last week I didn't know who was going to cover Diggs and Davis and nobody did. And I don't know who's going to cover, you know, the, the Bucks receivers this week. Yeah, who covered Davis? It was uh, the safety trying to chase him on these deep balls. It didn't work yeah, out very well. Yeah. It didn't work out very well. Uh, just a <sighs> hell of a performance by the bills. And yeah, with Brady, you have to get pressure on him. Right. So I uh, you know as you've been writing on Steelers wire, like it's gotta be a big Alex Highsmith game. Like you got to figure out a way to get pressure on Brady. Cause if you yeah. don't and let him sit there, he is going to, like you said, just find the guy. And, and I think they've definitely got Chris Godwin back now. Mike Evans is mm-hmm. fine. I, I'm, I think Julio Jones is back in the lineup too. I'm not sure. 
Um, I'm not sure. If he's yeah, I, I got to check. You never know but... with him. You never know. But they they're also getting their their running backs involved in the passing game more than they have mm-hmm. in the past, which also could be a problem. They, they could try to get those Steelers linebackers covering. And uh, yeah, it, it has a. You have a feeling it's going to be another long day, right? I don't. I, mm-hmm. I agree with Ryan Clark when he said it's not getting better anytime soon for the Steelers. So while we yeah. do have the Kenny Pickett thing to kind of latch on to right now in terms of entertainment. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how competitive the Steelers are going to be. Last week we were happy to take the Bills at a, as a fourteen point favorites. Were they or thirteen and a half at the time when we recorded? And a half, yeah. yeah, we took the Bills. We were correct. Are we taking the Bucks here to cover seven and a half, Kurt? Yeah, I am. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I just don't. It, it maybe maybe on Friday if the whole secondary is back on the field practicing, I I think maybe Pittsburgh can cover. But as it stands right now, um, yeah, I would. I just, like I said, I just don't know. I, I don't know where the points are going to come from. You know, they, they can only, they, they, they can't count on defensive touchdowns every week and special team scores and things like that. I just don't know where they're going to score. I don't, I don't know where they're going to score points. Yeah, it, it was a tough opener for Kenny Pickett against Buffalo on the road. Coming home against the Bucks. that's a really tough defense too. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. They get after you, yeah. they cover they're, they're one of the, the few defenses out there, Kurt, that they do both things well. They cover and they rush. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough ball game. Uh, yeah. but, but, Kurt, you know, you're going to be covering it all on Steelers Wire, right? What are you guys working oh, on yeah. from, now, from now until kickoff? Just mostly uh, prep stuff for the game? A lot of, a lot of injury updates, trying to figure out <laughs> yep. who's going to play where. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, keeping track. I know, they, I know they brought in four or five guys for tryouts today. I think you're going to see a lot of roster shuffling in the next couple of days, guys getting added to the practice squad, maybe guys getting moved up to the 53 man. Um, I think, I think right now it's they're they're moving chess pieces around to try to see if they can find a combination that can, that can light a fire under this team, especially on defense. I think everybody they try, they worked out today were defenders. So interesting stuff. So that's Kurt Popejoy again, check him out on Steelers wire. He and his staff are doing great things. And again, if you could subscribe, get us on your phone each week, that'd be a good idea. Join us in the, uh, what, what did we say, Kurt? We're, we're on the couch. It's the therapy session. We're all in this together. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're yes, banding together. Is, yeah, We are. We are. We're a family in this. <laughs> we're getting through the, the first, what looks like the first losing season in almost two decades for the Steelers. It is painful. It's going that way. Yeah. It's, not getting any, any, the, yeah, it's not getting easier anytime soon. Coming off the worst loss in Tomlin's tenure. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So for Kurt, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week after Steelers Bucks. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.